Welcome to Ottawa Valley Vineyard, where we simply want to help you encounter Jesus, be transformed, and share His love. Good morning, everyone. Um, my name is Vince Marquis. I've been around uh, OVV for some years, probably about eight, I think. Um, I live west of Almont, uh, near the village of Clayton. And uh, I'm married to Paula. We have been together for 47 years. And we have four married children and nine grandchildren, uh, who are a tremendous blessing in our lives. A little bit about my personal background. I grew up as a Roman Catholic. Um, and walked away from that in my teen years uh, in the 60s rebellion times. Um, came back to Jesus uh, in the early 70s uh, and um, in between I'd done a number of things, uh, been a rock musician and stuff like that, but uh, what I remember about coming to Jesus uh, was uh, that for me when I made that decision or when he found me is probably again uh, is probably a better way of putting that um, it was uh, I knew at the time a lifelong decision and it was total commitment and uh, can't say that I've, I've uh, always had a hundred percent dedication but uh, that's been the theme so that brings me to what I want to talk about uh, which is faith and I don't claim to be a great expert on faith because uh, it's always a learning process. Um, but I think I have learned a few things about it over the years. Um, I've been walking with the Lord for 48 and a half years. Um, so uh, there's a few things I think I've sort of figured out, but I'm still working on them, I have to confess. Uh, I, uh, from what I understand about the theology of faith, it's pretty complicated. Um, we could go back into the early days of the church and see the debate starting right there. For example, the Apostle Paul said something that gets quoted a lot in the book of Ephesians. He said, you've been saved by grace through faith, uh, and that's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not a result of works, so that nobody can boast. So that's one aspect of faith that it comes through grace as a gift from God. And uh, that's mind-boggling right there, because sometimes I think uh, it feels like we're deciding for ourselves, and uh, uh, I'm not sure how that complex works. I wouldn't claim to know. Uh, the other side of it, uh, which was part of the ancient church's uh, debate about it, was uh, in the book of James, where James, the brother of Jesus, probably knowing what Paul had said about it at this time, had probably been at least reported to him, um, says, show me your faith without the works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. As a result of the works, faith is perfected. And so we can't divorce them. So one of the things that I've learned through struggling through both with the theology and the practicality of faith is that Faith, real faith, is not theoretical, it's very practical. Uh, good theology helps us to understand it better, but real faith is more than intellectual assent to some ideas and principles, even ones that we find in Scripture. 
So, as James said, faith without works is worthless or sterile. In the old translation it said dead. Um, but, in the Bible, both the Hebrew and Greek words we translate as faith really mean and are better translated as trust. Because there is no true ex, uh, exercise of faith if there's no trust attached to it. And it's just a head, a head thing. So understanding faith as trust brings it right down to earth. It takes us from theologically, theolo, theo, excuse me, theology to where we live. Everyone, no matter what ethnicity, culture, or language, or even gender uh, they have or profess to have, has to live by faith. You cannot live without some measure of faith. You will believe in something, you will choose to trust in something, and you will choose to trust someone, even if it's only yourself, because that's a form of faith too. It doesn't matter whether you're an atheist, a monotheist like Christians, Jews, or Muslims, or a Hindu, or a Buddhist, or whatever else, you will choose to trust someone and in something. We humans are made to live by some kind of faith. It's how we're wired. Some believe only in themselves. They trust only themselves and their own convictions. And when you think about that, a lot of people seem to t make that choice today because they say, like, what's, what's true and right for me is all that matters. And so I'm only trusting myself. I'm only trusting my own opinions and my own convictions. We see that in these self-made millionaires, billionaires, and everything else. That's largely how they live. Um, the problem with that is it's a very risky basis on which to found your life. Because sooner or later you're going to find out that you have, uh, have some misplaced trust in yourself. You make mistakes. You screw up. Excuse that. But that's pretty much the way things go. And it can be pretty disillusioning when it happens when you discover what you're standing on is very shaky ground. Some people choose to trust in someone else to show them the way to lead them through life. For example, maybe finding the right person to be your life partner will uh, give you inspiration and meaning and happiness and you're trusting that person for a whole lot but sooner or later, no matter how much you care about them, you discover that they're pretty much like you. They make mistakes, they mess up, and they disappoint. And you do that to them too. So, that can't be the final way uh, or to, uh, uh, the final way to trust, to find meaning. And then some people choose to trust in success. The right job, the best kind of career, with the best benefits, the best perks, and all that kind of stuff. Climb the ladder, get to the top, and even perhaps get recognition. And so that's meaning, right? Except when you get there, a lot of these people will tell you that they kind of arrive and say, Oh, all right, what now? it's kind of empty and so we find guys like Jeff Bezos finding to trying to find some new way to express the meaning in his life by going off into space for two minutes uh, and I don't know what that's going to do for him except for give you a thrill for a few for a few uh, days or hours or something but so you got rich you climbed to the top you got recognition but what next
But I've learned through life and walking and trying to walk the best I can with Jesus that faith is trust and trust is personal. It's your choice about to the degree that we still have the choice, okay, that's part of the theology, it's our choice about what and whom to trust both for now and for future well-being. And those choices, our personal choices, affect a whole lot of other people. The second thing I've learned about faith, this faith thing, is that, uh, and we've already mentioned this, that it's not just something to talk about, it's something to live by. Um, Theology can help me to understand some things better, but the reality of trusting God and Jesus comes every day. And it gets really hard sometimes because it's not always easy to see how that's going to work through the really hard stuff. And we're going to have that stuff. And some of us are going through some of that stuff right now. Sooner or later, we're all going to go through it. The third thing I've learned is that in the middle of these, the hard times, when faith is hard, there's two mistakes or two, two things to avoid doing because sometimes we get a mis mistaken idea of why this stuff is happening to us. The first thing or the first trap about thinking about what's wrong here is that there's, you haven't got enough faith. Something you've done maybe hasn't measured up. You don't trust God enough. Uh, there's, there could be all kinds. Of, or the second thing is that God is punishing me because I messed up. And it's true we make bad choices, but and and bad stuff can happen from the choices. But that doesn't mean God is punishing you. There's mystery there. Again, I don't understand what all of that and how uh, is and how it works. But if you think about it, many of the troubles that we go through, we kind of inflict on ourselves. We make bad choices. We say dumb things and do dumb things. But that doesn't mean God is punishing you. You're suffering consequences. And God is not going to interfere to stop all these consequences. He may sometimes, but he's not going to stop all these consequences from coming our way. It's not a punishment, and it's not your lack of faith. Or maybe it is a bit in that in sense, because that's, we make choices about not trusting God with certain things. We live in a broken world. That's how the world functions. Uh, and blaming God, which is another way that I've seen Another thing I've seen a lot of people do is blame God. It's God, you know, if God is for real, then he wouldn't let this happen to me. Blaming God is not a way out. There are some things that come our way that we didn't deserve and, and all of that, but blaming God is not a way out of that. What is the way out is trusting him in the middle of it. Trusting in his mercy in the middle of the pain and the suffering. And sometimes the mercy may seem a far way off, but trusting in His grace and in His love. The fourth thing I've learned, there's a number of these points. The fourth thing I've learned is that even good theology can't take the place of my relationship with God. I can have some pretty good intellectual knowledge about that. I can read some theological books. I can read the scripture and sort of have these interpretations uh, in mind as I do that. But that can't take the place of my relationship with him and 
as a, another part of that, my relationship with the people he's put in my life. Theology can be a help, but it can also be a hindrance if it's blocking us from getting real. And of course, there's good theology and there's bad theology. I mean, so we've got to, when you're reading theology, remember it's an interpretation. It's an interpretation. It's not the factual thing. Good theology will help me understand better who God is and what he can do and what he does, but it still can't replace him and my relationship with him. And I'm talking primarily here in my own experience, my relationship with Jesus, because that's how I best relate to God is through Jesus. The fifth thing I've learned is that every day is a gift. Every day is a choice to live <coughs> by my trust in Jesus, to live his life in me through his presence in me. And it means trusting that what he said about never leaving or forsaking is true. It may not feel that way some days. Some days he may seem like he's a million miles away. But that's where the trust factor comes in, is that he has shown himself faithful in the past and he's still going to show himself faithful. Just because I don't feel him right now, just because I don't see him right now, doesn't mean that he isn't there and he's not going to be there. The sixth thing I've learned is that real trust in Jesus is a conversation with him. An actual conversation, not just a theoretical conversation of like when I pray, I say a whole bunch of stuff about what I need and stuff like that, but it's a conversation because he is a real living person. He is really li listening and he can answer. And those answers can come in different ways, but it means listening and expecting for him to answer. Expecting the nudge, that little tug, that, that uh, idea or that still small voice as it's put um, when, you know, in that episode of Elijah being hidden by God in the mountain. And because some, some of these things are pretty sensitive, it's easy to miss. That's why we've got to be listening and we've got to be expecting. Day by day, I have to set my mind on him. And for me, that's best done at the beginning of the day. I would suggest that it's probably best done for everybody at the beginning of the day, because if you don't make a decision at that point, when are you going to do it? You're going to get busy, etc. Um, there's different ways to do that. You could do it through having a quiet time in a, in a special spot, by going for a walk with him. Some people, I, I love to relate to God in the outdoors as well. It's like, to me, this is a temple. Uh, I'm fortunate enough to live in this temple right here, and uh, it's a it's a beautiful spot. I can wander around through here, and it's just awesome. Uh, but uh, not everybody gets to do that. You can you can uh, find God and spend time with Him as you're going through your morning routine, driving to work, which is another thing about commuting that uh, sometimes you can you can use that. Brother Lawrence called it practicing the presence of God back in the 1600s. And uh, he was a very humble man, but he learned to do it in the middle of just about any ordinary thing that he did. Um, the more you do it, the more natural it becomes. That doesn't mean it becomes easy, but it becomes natural. It's like exercising. You get up in the morning, you say, I need to do my exercises. You may not feel like doing them, but you still do them. Just as we have to work at our closest human relationships every day, we have to work on this relationship. 
And when you're relating with Jesus, it is actually a human relationship. It's more than that, but it's a human relationship because Jesus is one of us. Expect that the Holy Spirit can and will communicate. Maybe sometimes even indefinite words. Uh, maybe from a scripture passage, but he may actually speak to you in very clear, definite words. The Holy Spirit speaks to those who are awake and listening. I mean, he can shout in your ear and bat you across the head sometimes too because you're not listening. Uh, but that's not a pleasant way to hear him usually. Um, but yeah, he can do that. Scripture is one way of listening. Prayer, meditation, contemplation is another way. Uh, and it can happen anywhere, anytime. And sometimes in the most ex unexpected ways because you've already gotten yourself into that kind of a posture. And you don't have to be consciously thinking about it or doing it in everything you're doing. But if you kind of postured yourself there, then don't be too surprised if you get something that suddenly is there presented in front of you and it's time to listen and even sometimes time to act. When we look at scripture and the testimony of many of the great people of faith through the centuries, um, this is a common pattern as they get suddenly awakened or told something or shown something and they have to respond. I mean, we can always choose not to respond. Um, God may be merciful and give you another shot at it, but uh, sometimes when we don't take those opportunities, we miss something and it can be missing something really special. A lot of what he has told us, of course, uh, is very clear because it's already there written in the book for us. And uh, those are things that need to be done regardless of whether we're feeling them or being told specifically. Uh, I'm thinking about how we look after the poor and the downtrodden and all, those, all the people that are disadvantaged and the injustice and all of that. It's kind of tragic that so often we've been sidetracked over the centuries. I'm talking the we here is the church, God's people, the people that he has called out. We've been sidetracked by power and, and uh, seeking status and, and, and trying to make it as far as the world is. It's a very sad thing because it is, it's a kind of a betrayal of what the family of God is supposed to look like. But we have an opportunity, and perhaps more now than for a long time, to turn some of that stuff around. Let me give one illustration of, a, of an episode in my own life about being kind of surprised by God and told to do something right out of the blue. Uh, not because this is special or to me, I'm sure that many people have, and probably lots of you have had this kind of same experience, but this is one of my little episodes like that, where suddenly I was being told to do something I had no notion of. Um, and you got a choice to do it or not. And what happens if you don't do it, I don't know. I'm just going to talk about what happened when I did this. Uh, one day I'd, I'd left work in a hurry. It was a bit late. I was going to be late for an appointment. I had a 45-minute drive to get to the appointment. So I was kind of like totally focused on getting there, getting through the traffic and stuff like that. Um, so I got out. I'm driving um, probably above the speed limit uh, on the 417 going towards a town called Castleman, east of Ottawa. And um, just as I'm coming to the exit, just before the one I'm supposed to get off at, suddenly this thing just totally clearly, almost like a shout, not audible, but almost like a shout in my head, uh, get off now at this particular exit that was just like half a kilometer down the road. And so I'm kind of in my head, 
I knew who was talking. And suddenly I'm in my head, I'm debating, this is what I'm going to be late. And instead of saying anything else, what I heard the voice, and I thought it was the voice of the Lord, is saying, get off now. And so this is very, so I said, okay. I get, I get there and I get to the stop and, and uh, I say, so what now? And he said, turn right. I turn right, half, ha, uh, half a kilometer down the road is a guy hitchhiking. Pick him up. So I picked him up. And I'm just wondering, okay, what is this going, where am I going to end up with this? But hey, um, so he gets in the car, puts backpack in the back seat. Um, it's a young guy, he's got a backpack and I thought, okay, you know, uh, this is fine, this is cool. I asked him where he's going, and he's actually going to the same, towards the same town I'm going to. He's going by the back road, so I turned down the road. He says, yeah, I just live down here. And I said, so what are you doing? And he says, I'm coming home. My parents live along this road. Oh, and I said, well, I bet they'll be glad to see you. And he says, I don't know. I hope so. And I asked him, why wouldn't your parents be glad to see you? And he said, I haven't seen them or talked to them for two years. When I left, we'd had a big fight, and they told me they didn't want to see me anymore. So I asked them, or actually, I told them, seeing sense, because this is the click moment, right? The light comes on and say, okay, this is what I'm doing here. So I told them, thinking, wow, this will sound totally weird to them. Actually, it's not a coincidence that I came by this road. I'm supposed to be at an appointment in Castleman in five minutes, and it would have been faster to stay on the highway. So he says, so why didn't you? And I said, because I don't know if you believe in God or not, but God told me. God told you? Yeah. He told me to get off the highway, turn right, and pick you up. And I think about that, that probably sounds totally whacked out to most people. But here's what he said. Wow, I was waiting and waiting and a bunch of cars passed me so I began to think I wasn't supposed to be going home and my parents didn't know I'm, don't know I'm coming so I was thinking, well, I should just turn around and hitchhike back to Ottawa. But then I said, well, I'll give it one more chance and see. He says, I never prayed, but I asked God, God, if I'm supposed to be here, get someone to pick me up. And then you stopped. So, this is my wow time. This is my wow, and I say, wow, this is what I said to him. You prayed, and God's Spirit told me right then to get off and pick you up. Now, I believe in God, I told him, but I don't think anything like this has ever happened to me either. Now you know that this is not a coincidence, and I know God can talk very directly to two people who don't even know each other and bring them together. He was a bit teary, and he said, well, I guess God wants me to come home then. And I said, seems like a no-brainer to me. He says, I'm still worried they won't forgive me and won't want me back. And then uh, he told me to pull over because we were getting there. And um, as we were stopping, I just said, would you like me to pray for you? And he said, I'd really like that. And then I told him before praying, look, if God arranged for you to come home, I think your parents will be ready to forgive you and take you back. So 
I don't know what happened after he got out. I mean, I just obviously drove off, and uh, but you know, the rest of that is up to God. The thing is that listening and being ready is where we need to be. Um, my final lesson, closing this out, is that it is, and I admit it because we're doing, going through a few things now, it's really hard to trust in the middle of this really hard stuff. It really is. It is really hard work. And this is where you need to look to where God has been faithful already. What he's already done. The time, the other times when you desperately needed him and he showed up. So, suffering is supposed to make us stronger. That's the theology. Sometimes the questions, and I still ask them, I still ask them, is, but how much does it take? When can this not be so hard? We'll see. All I can do in the meantime is hang on to Jesus. Hang on to um, his promises to me and to you and to all of us. He is one of us. Don't forget that. He went through all this stuff. He went through the pain and the suffering. Some of it I can't. I mean, it's unfathomable, some of the stuff that he went through, that none of us is going to be called probably to be crucified or to do and go through the terrible torture that happened to him before that. And that was both physical, psychological, and spiritual torture. He didn't say that he would always take us out of the ba the, this really, really difficult stuff. What he said is, I'll always walk with you, wherever it is and whatever it is. I'd like the healing and the miracles. Sometimes he says, as far as what I want, not that, not this time. The final answer to this thing about trust faith is that Jesus has dealt with all of the stuff on the cross. And again, this is a total, uh, this is based on what we can see. It's not just based on an airy-fairy idea. Theology helps me a bit, but I don't really understand how all of that actually works when it co comes out in the wash of where we live and how we do things. Theology or not, the deep stuff hurts and Jesus knows how much it hurts. He really does. He went through the gates of death and hell and came out through the other side. And he's promised us the same thing as we do, so that we don't have to go through the gates of hell but he's promised we'll come out the other side. That's what the resurrection is about. And in the middle of everything else, I have to remember that Jesus actually loves the people I love more than I do. And that kind of blows me away. He loves them more than I do. He died for them as much as he died for me. So I have to trust him with them because I can't save them. I can't fix them. I have to trust him. And I can't save the world and I can't fix the world. I have to trust him. It all comes down to this issue of trust walk, trusting walk. That's what the faith is about. Only trusting him can the broken places be healed and the dark places be made light in this broken world.
be brought back into communion with its maker. Shalom. Thanks for joining us. To connect to the ministries of Ottawa Valley Vineyard, visit ovv.ca.